0: In the year 536 BC, God moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to allow the exiled Israelites to return to Jerusalem and begin rebuilding the temple. The return of the Israelites was God fulfilling the prophet Jeremiah's words spoken many years before. Once in Jerusalem, the Israelites rebuilt the altar and laid the foundation of the temple. However, as God began to move, opposition began to arise. Because of this rising opposition and the improving living conditions, the Israelites quickly became complacent. In 520 BC, God sent another prophet, Haggai, to his people. His words, spoken over 2,500 years ago, still have meaning for us today. Good morning, church. How are you? Everybody good? Good, good. Man, I'm excited to be back up here after a couple of weeks and a few thousand miles across the Atlantic Ocean and then back and had a great trip, uh, figured out that the Europeans are not very good at baseball. So uh, even if they say we are falling behind in education, we're still winning where it counts and that's on the baseball field. So we're doing a good job there. Um, but we are, uh, are continuing today in this series um, called The Time Has Come and uh, we've been looking at the book of Haggai. We're going to be there again today. If you have uh, your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew, take left and a couple of books over, you'll find this little book called Haggai. And the great thing about this little book is it speaks powerful truth into our lives. And we're going to continue to look at that um, with this message or, or this series is entitled The Time Has Come. And we saw in the first couple of verses of Haggai where they were saying the time has not come. Um, but we believe the time has come. And one of the things that the time has come for um, is us to begin uh, building a building, a permanent facility, which is the first phase of this one in one project that we um, are undertaking um, um, where we are doing work here for a permanent facility, but we're also doing missions and outreach here, um, to bring more people into the kingdom of God. Um, and, and, one of the things that's happening is on June 1st, which this is so crazy is like two weeks from today, right? Um, we are breaking ground on a building and that has come really quickly, um, for us, uh, in November, I really felt like this may never happen. And then God said, Okay. And it's happening and, uh, very, very quickly. And it's amazing that it's happening. Um, and, and that's going to be a special day. That day we're having one service. It's going to be at 11 o'clock. And after that, we're going to the land, um, which is over near the New Sally Zerar School. Um, and we're going to be breaking ground. Uh, but we're also going to be doing our baptisms. We'll have food. It's going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome day and we can't wait to celebrate that and we've got some really cool things we're going to do at groundbreaking also so i hope you'll be a part of that um man it's it's incredible to see what god is doing um, but anytime God begins to move in our lives and anytime we begin to move, um, following God, um, opposition always arises. And that's what we've seen in this book of Haggai is that when, uh, the Israelites began to be brought back from captivity in Babylon, uh, you begin to see that opposition begins to arise. It's no different in our lives. And this is the thing I know you don't have to even be a Christian to face obstacles, right? I mean, even before you were saved, you faced obstacles. And here's the other thing I know when you become a Christian, it doesn't mean that obstacles go away. If anything, it seems that more obstacles tend to try to come against you. It's because we have an enemy who wishes not to harm us, but to kill us and destroy us. But the good news is we have a God who is bigger than our enemy who promises to give us life. And so here's the thing I want to talk to you about today is that how do we overcome those obstacles? How do we overcome the things that we're facing in our lives right now? How do we, how do do we do this? Because this is what happened with the Israelites. They overcame the obstacles that were facing them. And we have a God who still helps us overcome obstacles, no matter what they are, no matter what we're facing, no matter what it is that's coming against us. The promise of Christ and the good news of Jesus is that if we are in Christ, the best is always yet to come. And so this is what I want to do. I want to pray for us. Um, at first, I want to read verses uh, in chapter 2 here in Haggai. I'm going to do my best. I don't have my glasses on. Um, and, but if I stumble on it, you read it off the screen for me. How about that? Um, but I want to read the first two verses to you in Haggai chapter 2. It says, On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people let's pray and then we'll talk about these two verses Lord we thank you so much for your love and your grace in this place I thank you for stories like Greg Wiley who God you've moved in their lives and brought them through incredible obstacles I thank you God that you still do that I thank you God that you're still reigning you're still sovereign you're still in control and your power is among us just as you tell the Israelites your spirit has not left us and I thank you for that God And God, today I pray that that spirit, your spirit, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead would work in us. Even for the one here today who is facing the greatest obstacle and the one who God hasn't even seen the obstacles in their path. I pray you would open our eyes to see not just how big the obstacle is, but how much bigger you are. Lord, do a great work in our hearts today. We just ask you to do that in the powerful and awesome name of Jesus. Amen. How many of you have ever been in an overwhelming situation. Anybody, if you have children, you've, you've been in an overwhelming situation. When you bring home your first child, you're like, oh my gosh, this life is dependent on me, right? And a little pressure there. Um, sometimes when I get home at night, there, I, I have an overwhelming feeling. When I walk in and I realize Reed is taking the whole tub of Legos and dumped them out in the playroom and all over the rest of the house. Right. And and you can have that overwhelming feeling. I imagine moms have felt that many times as you're hauling children around and, and, and then you're trying to clean the house and you're trying to cook the supper and you're trying to work and you're trying to do all of these things. And sometimes it can just be a little overwhelming. And as I said before, for most of us, we we've lived long enough and we've had enough things in our lives that have taught us that, that obstacles are just a part of life. Things just come against us. And one of the things that I have realized as I've gotten into ministry is I've been pursuing Jesus now um, for about 14, 15 years now. The thing that I realize is the more I pursue Christ, the more obstacles seem to come against me. And sometimes we come to Christ and we think if I do that, everything's going to be fine. But it never seems to work that way. It always seems that things tend to want to come and hinder our walk with God. And that's because we do have an enemy. He doesn't wish to harm us. He wishes to kill us, destroy us, to take what God wishes to give us, to be in our lives, to the goodness that he wants to put in our lives. And that overwhelming feeling is real. Every one of us in here right now probably have some area of our life that we feel a little overwhelmed. For some of us, it may just be fatigue, right? You're just kind of tired. And just feel a little overwhelmed with things that are going on. That's very much where these Israelites were in these first two verses. And the text we're reading right now is they were feeling a little bit overwhelmed. It's important. we talked about how specific the dates are in this book. It's one of the most specifically dated books of the prophets. And he says that this, this, this word he's about to speak, what God's about to tell the people happened on the 21st day of the seventh month. And that's very, very important because here's the thing that was taking place. This was a month of festivals. This was a time when, when, when the people weren't even really allowed to work. But if you are here last week and the week before and the week before that, then what you heard was that God had told them, build the temple. And yet here's these festivals they are not allowed to work. And so they've been a month into this thing now, and they're still looking around them and there's nothing but rubble. There's nothing but destruction still around. Them. They've laid a foundation and built an altar. But other than that, there's still a bunch of mess just all over the place, Right. And they're a month into it and they don't really see a lot of progress. And they come to this place of realizing this task is enormous. This thing that God's called us to do is huge. How are we ever going to get this done? Not only is the task big, but we've still got these people telling us that we don't need to build this temple, that we don't need to accomplish the purpose of God. How many of us have ever felt that in our own lives, that we just felt like, I don't know if I can do what I was created to do. I don't know if I can live the way God created me to live. I don't know if I can even take my next step. Am I the only one here today? that feels that way or have you felt that way in your past you can raise your hand it is okay we raise our hands here at connection church we felt that way and i would say that most of us including myself have some area of our lives that we feel a little bit overwhelmed a little bit um anxious right i, I, I get so upset when people say well if you're a christian you shouldn't have anxiety then i don't know what's wrong with me right I'm like am i saved you know what i mean because it's, it's, it, things come against us. And these Israelites, they were in a place where, man, things were coming against them. And they were worried. They were wondering, are we going to be able to do what God's called us to do? He says that it's the last day or, of, of this certain festival. The, the, the 23rd day um, or 21st day of the seventh month was the end of this festival called the Festival of Booths. And what this was, it was a, a festival, it was a, um, a, a, a festival that reminded them of coming out of Egypt. Do you remember um, Moses bringing the Egyptians out of Egypt? And they called it um, the festival of tabernacles or the festival of booths. And what they would do is for a certain amount of time they would live in these booths. And it was a reminder that God had brought them out of Egypt and that God had, had, had delivered them from the hands of, of the Pharaoh. And they began to, to remember those things and remember what God had done. And so here they are at the end of this time, at the end of this festival, and God speaks to Haggai because God always speaks at the right time. For some people in here today, you may be at the end of your road, but God's speaking to you about this at the right time. And God speaks at the right time and he says, listen, here's the reality, guys. I want you to understand and we're going to see how he begins to encourage them as he speaks. But as they were finishing up this week or this this time, this festival, of And they, they were remembering what God had done in Egypt. I was thinking about all that this would have been a reminder of. And it's so cool that God spoke to them at this time because it was a reminder of one that they still had a task to do. They were still called to build the temple, right? That, that the temple was still in ruins. It was a reminder of their task. God's called us to build this temple. It was a reminder that they're living in their paneled houses. Y'all remember that from earlier in chapter one? They were living in these fine houses, but the, the house of God remained in ruins. It was a reminder that they had a task to do. It was also a reminder of their rebellion that God had brought them out of Egypt. They had turned their back on God. The temple had been destroyed. They'd been carried off into captivity. And they remembered that their their sinfulness and they remembered that they had rebelled against God. They had turned their back on God. They turned their back on the purposes of God and they'd walked away. But then it's also a reminder of God's faithfulness because as they lived in this place, they had to come out of their booth every morning, Right. And go, this little tent they were living in. And go, we've rebelled against God. We didn't build his house. For us, we've rebelled against God. We didn't build his church. Not the building, the church, the people. We've all failed. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all rebelled and turned our back on God. And yet they see God's faithfulness that he's done what he promised them that he would do. That even though they rebelled against him, he brought him back. Aren't you glad we have a bring back God, right? Then when we walk away, he says, just come on back. Then we walk away, he says, come here. And his arms are open to receive us. When we're ready to turn, he receives us back into his arms. That's the most amazing thing. See, I lived a long part of my life that when something bad would happen, I would turn to God. And then finally, I got tired of turning to God when bad things kept happening. So I just turned away from God. And then, you know, what's funny is I didn't learn to really live and love and follow Jesus until I realized his love for me, not just fearing that he was going to harm me or trying to use God as a lucky rabbit's foot to somehow keep bad things from happening. When I realized the grace and the mercy and love of Jesus that brought me back from my rebellion and saved me and gave me a place in his family, it amazed me. See, God never just presents our sin without presenting his offer of salvation. God never presents the bad news without also offering the good news These Israelites would be reminded right here of God's faithfulness to them throughout all these years, all of their rebellion, that his love remains forever. Why does God love us? Because God loves us. That's why we've given him no reason. There's no There's no, there's nothing we've done to earn it. God is love and God just loves. The last thing is, it's a reminder of God's power. As they are living in these tents, these, these booths and And they're celebrating this festival. It's a reminder of God's power. He brought us out of Egypt, out of the most dominant nation, this dominant country that that, that had oppressed us. He delivered us supernaturally. And he's reminding them again, I will do it again. I will do it again. See, the great thing I love about this text I love about the book of Haggai one, he, he just says it. You know what I mean? Sometimes when you get in a conversation with people and they want to tell you something that they're kind of uncomfortable about, you ever notice how they hem around? Like, well, you know, I just, um, I don't know how to say, I just not sure how to say it. And I don't know. I'm like, just say it like, right. We both got big boy pants on. Just tell me, let's just cut to the chase and let's, let's get there. My big boy pants are kind of tight, but Let's just cut to the chase and let's just... And Haggai does that. He just gets to the point. And here's the thing I love about Haggai. He doesn't paint some pie-in-the-sky picture that everything is just hunky-dory. And if you'll just, you know, love Jesus a little more, everything will be all right. He presents the reality of what... They're, and he didn't deny reality. He says, this is the reality, guys. And he does not when he asks them these three questions. And I love this because he just presents it to them. He says, ask them. This is what God tells... I got to ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? That's the first question. Who saw the house in its former glory? Because the temple was magnificent. He said, how many of you saw this house in its former glory? He said, how does it look to you now? (laughs) I mean, they were like, not too good. Right? The next question, does it not seem like nothing to you? I was reading these questions this week, and I realized, man, how you guys pointing out some very amazing things, some very cool questions that he's pointing to the Israelites, uh, that that God's speaking through him. And the first one he asked them is, who of you has left who saw this house in its former glory? And I thought, you know what? He's asking them about their past. And I thought about this obstacle that they're facing, and I thought about how so for so many people, it's it's the our past that haunts us, Right? Let's think about Greg's uh, testimony and how his past, he said, I'm starting over. In so many ways, many of us come to this place where we're just starting over in so many ways. Some of us need to start over in a lot of ways. And here we got a God who, who says, Okay, let's do a redo, right? My grace is 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 for you. My mercies are new every morning. Let's do a redo. But so many of us, the greatest obstacle we face is our past. For some of us, it's financial mistakes that we made. We made bad decisions. And so now we're reaping the the, the fruit of bad decisions. For some of us, it's relationship mistakes. Hello. Right? We made mistakes in relationships. For me, it was just poor decisions that we wish we'd never made. We wish we'd never taken that first drink. We wish we'd never taken that first hit. We wish we'd never taken that first drug, that first thing that began to send us down this downward spiral. We just made poor decisions in different areas. Some of us, we wish we'd studied harder, right? I used to try to help my dad when he would be working on something. And I was always a little clumsy with tools and different things and wasn't very good at it. And, you know, my dad, I think he had always kind of wished that he had done more in school and tried a little harder and made some different decisions and I'd be trying to help him and especially holding the flashlight because I'd always be like this and shine the light off of it. He's like you know, you get the flashlight back on He'd always tell me, he's like, boy, you better study hard. Right? Because if you got to make a living with your hands, you're going to be in trouble. And so, uh, you know, some of us wish we had made different decisions. We studied hard. We'd done some different things. Some of us wish we'd listened to people wiser than us earlier. Right? (laughs) Woo! That would have saved a lot of people a lot of heartache. We just listen to people wiser that some of us wish that we began to follow Jesus earlier in life. So many times I wish that I'm glad my life turned out the way I did, but I wonder what college would have been like if I was pursuing Jesus instead of just pursuing everything else. I wonder how different it would have been, right? And, And some of us have those things, but see, here's the thing. We have a God who Haggai is about to speak into their past and say, listen, God's not finished with you yet. In fact, I can tell you this. If there's breath in your body, like right now, God's not done. And if there's not breath in somebody next to you, we need to know that right now. That is a serious situation. We need to take care of that, right? And so here's the reality. God is saying, I'm a God who covers your past and can still give you a future. The second question he asked him is, how does it look to you now? Like right now, how does it look? How many of us are stuck in a situation facing obstacles right now? Look, I don't know how I'm getting out of this. I don't know how I'm going to manage. I don't know how I'm going to make it. For some of us, we're in situations from those past decisions that often And most of the time lead to our present realities, right? And we're stuck in a place that's just hard, it's difficult, it's challenging. We're wondering how we're going to get through whatever you're going through. For many of us, the obstacles have managed so long that, listen, instead of asking why is it like this, we start saying it's just always going to be like this. It's never going to change. And many of us right now, because the obstacles we're facing are filled with fear, anxiety. For some of us, it's even already gone into depression. And this is how I know this is because I deal with these things every day of my life. So here's the thing I can tell you about me. I am not perfect. Here's the thing I can tell you about me. I have obstacles right now that I'm having to trust Jesus to overcome. Here's the thing I can tell you about me, that when I think about building a building and what that entails, when I think about what it entails going forward in this church, I wish I could tell you there's never a night that I don't put my head on the pillow and go, oh my gosh. See, here's the thing that I found. That just because you're a pastor doesn't mean you're immune to attack. In fact, it makes you a target. This is what I found, just because you're a Christian Doesn't mean that you're immune from attack. It means that you have become a target. But the great news, people, is this that as big as our obstacles may seem right now in this moment, our God is bigger. And when we see God as bigger, our obstacles become smaller. If faith the size of a mustard seed is able to move mountains, how big is our God? If God can create everything we see, everything we touch, the air we breathe, keep this earth spinning on its axis while going at an incredible amount of speed around the earth, around the sun. How much more capable is he in getting us through the things that we are facing? See, I'm not telling you God is going to take you out of your circumstances, but what I am telling you, if you will trust on him, if you will lean not on your own understanding, but if you will trust in him and acknowledge him in all your ways, he will direct your path and he will take you through what it is you're going through. That's the God that we serve. The next question he asks is, does it not seem to you like nothing? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Nothing. Look at, think about what it was. Think about what it is. Doesn't it seem to you like nothing? What do you think it's going to be? Do you really think God can take this pile of rubble, this mess that has been created, and, and you really think he can build something beautiful out of it? That's basically what he poses to them. And yet, here's the thing that I realize is that for many of us, we take that past and we take the presents, we roll them all together. And rather than our future seeming bright, our days being, are filled more than with, than with joy, they're filled more with despair and bitterness of soul. We just live in a place where we don't even know if the future is worth living. We just live in a, a place where our, our, our spirits, it's like it's just been poured water all over them, right? For some of us, we just feel, listen, 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 this is real. This is real, people. For some of us, we just feel like our best days are behind us. You ever had that thought? My best days are behind me. For others, it's the fear of losing what you have. And you're using every bit of energy trying to hold on to what you have and this is what I can tell you, and listen. If you'll trust it to God, He'll give you everything you need. It might not always be it's everything we want, but He'll give us everything that we need. God is a God of our past. God is a God of our present, and God is a God of our future. No matter what obstacles we're currently facing, see. Haggai didn't deny the reality. This this is so good. This is God, right? Haggai didn't deny the reality that they were facing. He pointed them to a greater reality. The God that they were now serving. See, here's the great news. When we turn our hearts to God, God begins to speak. And there's a completely different tone in chapter 2 than there was in chapter 1. When he was kicking them in the butt, trying to get them going. They turned and they were obedient to his word. His spirit began to move in them. And listen, here's the great news. He began to encourage them. Come on, guys, let's get this going. And that's what we're about to look at now. Okay, see here, if we can figure out how God brought them through their obstacles, I believe we can figure out how God is going to bring us through ours and how we can have peace in that moment. Verse four says this, but now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. He begins to speak to the the political leader here. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. He says, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Sometimes there are no greater words that you can hear when you're facing something more than God saying, I am with you. And here's the great news about people who have trusted their lives to Christ. He has promised us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He has promised us that he will be with us even until the end of the age. So that covers every day that we're going to live from here on out. That God has promised he would be with us. The first thing I tell you, if you want to overcome obstacles in this, because he, he tells them work, he tells them, to listen, don't sit idle, work, do your work, push through this obstacle, don't stop. I remember one time when my dad and I were hunting and we, I, I'm, I have a poor sense of direction, right? And, and a lot of times I get in the woods and I'm like, okay, I need to go that way. And I go that way and I end up completely in the opposite place that I needed to be. And we were hunting one day and I've got my gun, I'm walking through the woods. And I'm like, I don't think this is where I'm supposed to be. I started looking around, and it ended up out on this little gravel road. And so I just start walking down the road, and I'm like, I have no idea. I got a gun on my shoulder. And then this guy pulls up right beside me, and he's like, you need a ride? I'm like, who stops and picks up a guy with a gun? And so at first, I'm like, well, this guy, you know, he's got a gun. I'll get in the truck. And I got in the truck, and then I started thinking, if he's okay to pick me up while I've got a gun, what's he got, Right? And so he ends up getting me back. But I I got lost. But here's the thing. Every time I get lost, I don't do this. I don't just stop, right? I don't don't just stop and sit down and go, well, I guess maybe I'll get out of this sometime, right? There'd be a skeleton leaning up against a tree. But we keep moving. And so God's not telling them just to stop. But the first thing I would tell you is is in our working, in our walking, in our moving, we've got to remember our role. Remember your role in this. Because he tells them this. He says, listen, be strong. Work. But it's not our strength, right? It's his strength. Lay hold of God as he's laid hold of you. Trust in him. Hold on to him. He will hold on to you. He won't let go. Remember, it's not by power. It's not by might. But it's by his spirit. Zechariah, another prophet who spoke to them during this time of rebuilding. It was, it's out of Zechariah chapter four, verse six. He told them this, listen, you can't rebuild this. You can't get through this obstacle in your own strength, but if you'll trust in me and you'll lean on the power of my spirit and you'll just hold on to me, then I'll get you through this. When I take my boys hunting a lot, um, many times we'll come up to some water. That'll be a little bit too deep for them to go through, or we'll come up to some briars. And if you've ever been hunting with kids, man, there's nothing worse than a five-year-old going through briars you just better be off you'd be better off just like turn around going back to the truck right and so what i would do so many times is i would just take them and i'd put them on my back and i just walk through and carry them through and see many of us today we need to do that with god we need to realize that he'll carry us through the obstacle that we're facing the obstacle that's causing us pain the obstacle that's getting in our way of following him but we just got to grab hold of him right we just got to hold on to him when my kids were little um and reed still does this a little bit probably when i got back problems but the reason what we would do is I'd be walking somewhere and I'd be like, You need to go take a bath. I don't want to go take a bath. You need to go take a bath. I don't want to go take a bath. And I'd go, come on, Reed. And then he would grab my leg and he would not want to go take a bath, right? But he would grab my leg and I would just start dragging him just across the floor. Right? So we just need to grab hold of our Father and let him carry us through what we're going through. We need to let him carry us through the situations that we're facing. See, it doesn't mean that you never have a doubt. It doesn't mean you never have a worry. It doesn't mean that you never have anxiety. It doesn't mean that you never have an obstacle. It means that we hold on to the God who knows all about that because we have a high priest who's not unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way as we are. He was without sin. He's been where you are. Grab hold of him and let him carry you through. Know your role. Be strong and work, but work in the power and the strength of the Lord as you hold on to him. Verse five, this is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Remember God's promises. This is the second thing. The first one, I would tell you, remember your role. The second one, remember God's promises. Remember his promises. He said, I covenanted this with you. See, God made an agreement with the Israelites. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And even though you run away and even though you brought destruction on yourself, I'm bringing you back. Remember God's promises. He's going to fulfill his plan. Remember that he's not a leaving God. He's not a quitting God. Even when we make mistakes, he comes again to us and calls us to himself. He doesn't give up. Remember that even when you're walking through difficult situation, God is there. His promise is that I will never leave nor forsake you. Hold on to him. There are days in my life when I have to go back and I have to remember that in the book of Philippians, God said that he who began a good work in you will see it to completion. He's going to finish what he started with you. But we've got to hold on. We've got to hold on. And we've got to remember his promises. Some of us, we need to allow God to preach to us a little bit right so many times we're telling God what he ought to do so many times we're telling God all these things sometimes we just need to open our Bible and read it and let him preach to us about his promises to strengthen our faith about his promises for all of us we need other people in our lives who'll preach to us like I've got buddies who they'll preach to me right they'll come in and in like you need to just stand on the promises no weapon formed against you should prosper You need to stand on the promises. God's called you to this, and wherever the sole of your foot treads, he'll give you this land. You You need to stand on these promises. Don't shrink back. Don't be afraid. Be courageous and keep going. We need people in our lives. That's why connect groups are so important. That's why having godly friends surrounding yourself with people who are going the same direction you're going are with you. We need people to preach to us. And last one is preach to yourself. Preach to yourself. I don't like walk through Walmart going, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Right? But so many times I have to go back and go, listen, Brandon, you've been called, you've been anointed, you've been put in this position. Stand firm. Be courageous. Don't quit. God has a plan. You didn't create this, you don't have to sustain this. God does. Now be strong. And you don't have to stand in front of people every Sunday to be a preacher. We should all be preachers. And one of the people we should preach to constantly is ourselves. Reminding ourselves of God's word. I was thinking about this and thinking about Psalm 23. And it's so funny because this is like the the verse, the the chapter we read out of the Bible at almost every funeral I've ever been to. But this actual psalm was written as a celebration of a victory that God had given them. And I started thinking about David writing this psalm. And he's just come out of this victory. And and listen to what he says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be, be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He wrote this psalm as as a celebration, as worship. But when I read that, you know what I see? I see a man who's been through some junk. I see a man who's faced some obstacles, I see a man who's facing obstacles right now reminding himself of how big his God is and telling himself that even though I may face the obstacle, even though I may walk through the valley of death itself, here's the reality people, my God is with me my God is for me and my God will see me through and this is the promise of God verse 6 and 7 He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says in a little while, in a little while. See, God's always doing something. He says, in a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord almighty. And it's easy for us to read over the Lord almighty. And, and it's easy for us to miss some of these little things, but he says in these two verses, five different times, who is going to accomplish this work. And one of the things that I would ask you, and this is the third thing I would tell you to do. If you're in an obstacle, I would ask myself, is this obstacle an obstacle to my will or is it an obstacle to God's will? Is this something that I'm trying to push through or is God leading me through it? Is this something I want or something that God wants for me? And we have to come back to a place of trusting that whatever God wants, even if it doesn't line up with our wants, is always what's best. So that we have to ask ourselves this question, because here's the thing I want you to see in these verses. If it's an obstacle of your will, if you're fighting for your agenda, there is uncertainty, right? But here's the good news. If it's a fight, if it's an obstacle that you're fighting for God's kingdom, there is a guaranteed victory. He says in here, the Lord Almighty, and he says, I will once more shake the heavens. I will once more shake the nations. I will fill this house with glory. Who is going to do it? God. And when God has a purpose and God has a plan, no one can stop his purpose and his plan. And we can be certain in victory. In fact, if you're in Christ, you already have victory over the greatest enemy, death. Verse 8, I've got to speed up. I not preached in two weeks. Verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine. He tells us the Lord Almighty will do this. Remember, the Lord Almighty, it it literally means the God of hosts, the God of heaven's armies. So he tells them twice in those verses. The Lord Almighty says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Remember the God who's promising these things. It's the Lord Almighty, the God of hosts, the God of angels, the God of heaven's armies, who's promising this, who's saying this. And he's telling us, listen, the silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And see, they were all concerned. They're all, where we going to go for the temple? You ever felt like that? I ain't got no gold. I ain't got no car. I ain't got a car I want. I ain't got a girlfriend I want. Well, life's terrible. Right? You ever felt like that? And they're like, they're like, we ain't got no gold. We ain't got no silver. And God's like, don't you guys know that all the gold is mine? That all the silver's mine? And in fact, if all the gold and all the silver and all the world wasn't enough, I'd just make more. He's like, listen, the problem ain't resources. In fact, there is no problem if you'll trust in me because I'm going to get you whatever it is you need for my glory to be seen. And he promises this. Listen, this is all mine. The Lord of hosts has got this. Lord of hosts isn't concerned about how much you have or how little you have because he's going to give you what you need. He always takes care of those who seek him. When we seek him, we seek his righteousness. We seek his kingdom. Everything begins to be taken care of. And we can remember that God is working all things together for the good. For our good and for his glory. Which leads to nine. He says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. He's saying, even though it seems like it's in shambles, even though it seems like it's a wreck, even though it seems like it's, 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 it's not ever going to amount to what it used to be. This is the promise that I'm giving you. And this is the promise of Christ that the best is yet to come. And I want you to hear that today. I'm preaching this to myself. The best is yet to come. In Jesus Christ, the best is always yet to come. It doesn't mean there aren't obstacles. It doesn't mean there aren't days when we go, what is God up to? But what it does mean is we come out on the other side. Even, even, even in the worst situation that we have in our mind, God says, I've got this under control. I've already come overcome your greatest enemy, death. So what do you have to fear? If God is with you, then who, who are you fearing? God is for you. Then what are you afraid of? If God has, has you, if he's the one holding it all together, then what is our concern? And I want you to understand that as you face obstacles, as you face obstacles, God is sometimes and oftentimes more glorified in how we walk through obstacles than he is in how we celebrate our successes. So many times our past becomes the greatest testimony to God's goodness and the power of his grace. I was talking to Dave the other night and I told him, I said, bud, he, he had had, he's been struggling a little bit in baseball and he loves baseball and he hadn't been hitting very good. And, and, you know, and I could tell he was down and we were laying in bed. He's about to go to bed. And I said, bud, let me tell you a little story. And he's always like, oh, okay. Right. I said, when I played baseball at Georgia Southern, I said, my second year there I said we played inter-squad games we probably played 30 or 40 inter-squad games which means we played against each other they wanted to see us in live competition I said how many hits do you think I had in those games I don't know just guess just humor me here right how many do you think I had 15 nope take another guess um 20 nope well, how many, dad? Zero. It was the longest, like, six months of my life. But I remember as I was going through this struggle where I couldn't hit my way out of a wet paper sack, or right? I don't even know why they didn't cut me other than I was had the highest GPA on the team. And, and I, think, I think that's why they kept me. And so I, I, I was just having this huge struggle. But I remember one day a coach walked out there into left field, and he said, I know you're struggling at the plate, but you're still busting your honey, um, on the field. And that's admirable. And I told date that story. And I said, son, you need to understand that so many times uh, how we play when we're not succeeding is more important than how we play when we are, because people are watching. And I would tell you the same thing. As you go through these obstacles, I would encourage you to remember that the end goal is God's glory, right? The end goal is his glory and how we handle, obs- how we walk through them is so many times, so much. And it's not meaning you, you kind of throw your head up and go, well, I can do this. No, it's being real, right? It's being real and acknowledging that, man, I've I, I, got some stuff going on, but God's going to bring me through. I've got some stuff going on and I need people around me preaching to me. I need God around me preaching to me. I need to preach to myself, but God is going to bring me through this. The last one in verse 10 is this. He says, actually, the end of verse nine, I'm sorry. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And he says that in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord. I will grant peace, declares the Lord. I want you to remember that awareness of God's presence brings peace in our circumstances. Now, I hit all around these points. I want to go back through them so you can get them. The first one is this, that you remember your role. The second one, that you remember God's promises. The third one is that, is the obstacle, ask the question, is the obstacle an obstacle to my will or God's will? The fourth one, remember God has a greater blessing in mind. That's where we looked at the silver, the gold. We looked at the fact that he's made this covenant with us to call us to do greater things for his glory, a greater blessing. The fifth thing, remember the end goal is his glory, not ours. And the 10th thing, remember the awareness of God's presence brings peace in our circumstances because this is what I want you to see and I want you to understand is that even in the midst of our circumstances, even in the midst of what we're going through, even in the midst of what we're walking through, even in the midst of the things that we're facing, God can and will bring peace. We have to be aware of his presence. We need to be aware that God is with us. We need to be aware that God is walking through this with us. We need to be aware that even in the midst of family struggles, even in the midst of job struggles, even in the midst of financial struggles, even when the obstacle seems too big to over and, and it is overbearing and overwhelming, we need to remember that the Lord of hosts is with us. It makes me think about the prophet Elisha when he was in the city of Dothan and his servant was there. They're surrounded by the Syrian army and, and the Syrian army looks like they're about to tear them apart. And Elisha prays and he says, Lord, would you open his?" His eyes open my servant's eyes that he can see clearly. And when he prayed this, they began to see that God's angels had encamped around them and that they were more for them than against them. And I would tell you today that if you are in Christ, whatever it is you're walking through, that the God of peace can still speak peace into the situation you're going through, into the situation that you're walking through. And I would encourage you today that those who are with you, they're more for you than against you. There are more. For you and against you and God will bring you through even for you who are sitting here right now thinking there's no way I'm getting through this doesn't mean there won't be difficult days doesn't even mean that, <laughs> that your pride might get hurt a little bit doesn't even mean that sometimes our dignity might be lost but what it does mean is that you have a God if you're in Christ who will hold you see the greatest thing that Jesus did for us was when he paid for our sin on the cross and he took the wrath of God upon himself the anger of God towards sin upon himself being punished for us so that we could listen be at peace with God And it is amazing that some of the most difficult situations I've ever had to walk through, the peace that I was able to find. It didn't make the pain less. It didn't take it away. But the peace of knowing that God is with me and God will bring me through. Because I'm now at peace with God. Because my sin has been removed. Because I've come to know Him. Because I've trusted in Christ and His provision on the cross. The finished work that Jesus did. His presence God's peace and be upon us I pray today that you you'd be aware of God's presence I pray that every day you would take time to be aware of his presence that you would walk in his presence that you would remind yourself of his presence that you would preach to yourself about his presence and his power and his promises and today this is what I want to do I want to pray for you because I know that there are many people who you've got obstacles that you're facing. And I want to pray for you. And this is, this is what I want to do too. I, so I'm going to ask you in just a minute, if you need prayer, you're facing something, there's something on your heart that you just need to give to the Lord. I'm going to ask you that you would stand. And listen, when I pray, I'm going to ask that you would walk over here and let us pray with you. Let our prayer team pray with you. They're moving now. They, they get excited, right? We we to pray with somebody. I want to pray with you and help you and walk with you. So right now, I'm going to ask that you would say, yeah, I need, take a step of faith. This is turning us over to God. Step of faith is, yes, I'm going to turn this over to God. So I'm going to ask you right now if you would, listen, would you stand? You say, yeah, I need prayer today. Would you stand? Would you just stand to your feet? And say, here's obstacles I'm facing. There's things I need prayer for. That I need, I need prayer. I need, I need to just be reminded of God's promises. Amen. This is what I would ask too. Listen, listen, listen. You're here today and and you say, you know, I don't know that I have peace with God. I've never come to this relationship with Jesus, but I know I need him. I need, I need his forgiveness and I need his life. So what I'm asking you to do right now where, where you're sitting or where you're standing. Would you put your hand in the air and say, I need a relationship with God through Christ. Amen. Amen. You've never accepted Christ before. Amen. Amen. Praise God will you let us pray with you sir if you raise your hand for salvation you please let us pray with you listen coming to christ is not the end of a journey it's the beginning of a new life and it's the beginning of a new journey we want to walk that journey with you when i pray if you haven't stood but we can pray with you listen will you let us pray will you just please let us pray with you listen god wants to bring you through this but you can't do it by yourself you cannot do it by yourself we do not do life alone Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love and your grace. I pray for the person who knows they need to move right now, but they haven't moved, God. Just let them, just give them strength and courage to move. Let them know that we'll embrace them, that we we love them the way you love them, God. And and God, I just pray that they would take a step of faith. God, I pray that you'd move right now in our hearts, God. We lay everything at your feet, Lord. We lay it at your feet and we trust you with it, God. All the burdens and, and even just our tiredness, God. We lay it at your feet and we trust you for your strength. God, I want to be like my little boy that grabs hold of my leg. I want to be like that. God, I want to hold to you. God, I thank you that you grab hold of me. Lord, speak peace to the obstacles we face. Speak peace to the bitterness of heart. Speak peace to uh, the, the fatigue. Speak peace, God, to the doubt. Speak peace to the worry. Jesus, just like you did when you walked into that room, God, with the disciples after your resurrection, you said peace to you. God, speak peace to our hearts as we cling to you, Lord. Give us strength. Strengthen us. Don't let our arms hang limp and weak, but give us strength to walk, Lord. That was to follow you in all our ways, acknowledge you in all our ways, God, that you would direct our paths, that obstacles would be moved, that you would make our path straight we can walk and even when obstacles come and oppression comes and enemies come God we thank you that you are the Lord of hosts the God of armies who gives us victory in everything You work all things for our good and your glory God we love you and we praise you I thank you for the prophet Haggai from 2,500 years ago who speaks such encouragement to us today you're the God of yesterday today and forever and we thank you for that God we thank you that in Christ the best is yet to come and we cling to your promises and we'll walk boldly and courageously in you. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for the power of who you are, the grace and love which you demonstrated to us through your son. In his name we pray, amen.